Well, hey, I'm Andy McMillan, and today we're talking about revenge. And for those of you watching on YouTube, I know what you're thinking. I'm wearing a Seahawks t-shirt. That means I'm a Seahawks fan. I'm not. It's just a really comfortable t-shirt. Well, today we are continuing and we're almost done with our journey through the 23rd Psalm. We've been spending several weeks going through this incredible portion of scripture. And I want you to know that it has been a joy and a privilege to just walk through this passage of scripture with you. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope that it's made a difference in uh, your walk with God and your understanding of this passage. And it's been a lot of fun for me. And today, I want to talk to you about this passage that this part of the 23rd Psalm that oftentimes we read it and go, what the crap does that mean? Uh, it's this, this statement in the 23rd Psalm that he sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What does that even sound like? When I hear that described, it makes me immediately think of great revenge stories, right? Like you have this idea of you sitting at a table in front of somebody that's wronged you. And there's, we'll dive into it a little bit in just a little bit, but it's, it's almost like a redemptive or a revenge type story. I was getting ready and preparing for this podcast. And I was looking at a list of the top 25 movies with the best revenge stories. You know, there's stories that you see that you go, oh, this is going to be so good, blah, blah, you know. Well, here's a problem. I got into this list, and it was top 25 best revenge stories in movies. I don't think I've seen two-thirds of the movies on this list. Um, but there were a couple of them that stuck out to me. Um, one of them, I, I think we'll all be familiar with the Oceans movies that came out uh, in the early 2000s up into the 2010s. Uh, they're all revenge stories, getting back at somebody who's ticked somebody off. They're really good. But but those were those were basically the only ones that I could tell you that I've seen. Uh, one of the ones, hang on, let me pull this up so I can tell you. Uh, one of the ones that I found was called, where did it go? Where did it go? Hang on. Un momento, por favor. It's called, um, it's, it's the most bizarre name. I, I should just know it. Oh, this is a movie. This just says revenge. It's called, I will spit on your grave. That's the name of the movie. That's not a line from the movie. That is the title. Like, you know what you're getting into when you watch a movie called, I will spit on your grave. I love uh, revenge stories. There's just something about them that are fun. Almost as much as I love my mango bubbly. So I'm talking about mango bubbly. If you don't like flavored seltzer water, it's probably because you've not tried it. And mango bubbly is incredible. I don't know how they did it. You can actually taste, this is going to sound weird, but like, you know, when you eat a, a mango and you can taste like almost like the the texture of it, you can tell like it's been washed, but it's still got like a like a velvety texture. Somehow they got the velvety texture in the can. And no, I'm not being paid to sponsor bubbly. I just I really like it. Anyway, I love revenge stories. I think that there's something super significant about um 
the the redemptive quality that we typically get in revenge stories. And when I read the twenty third Psalm, and I and I understand more uh, closely what this part of the scripture is saying, um, it, it kind of has a revenge story concept. But before we continue talking about it at all, let's read through the twenty third Psalm uh, one more time together. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters and you restore my soul. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and he anoints my head with oil, and my cup overflows. This is the statement that we're going to park on this week and next week, and I want to talk about the first part of this passage. Even though they are connected, uh, I want to deal with just the first portion today. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, when we think about revenge in scripture, when we think about revenge stories, oftentimes we think um, negatively of them. We think, oh, well, we're never supposed to have revenge. We're never supposed to be able to see uh, getting back at somebody who's wounded us. And and I want to be clear, I'm I'm not advocating you going out and having a revenge moment. That that's not what this is about. Um, what this is about is understanding that we don't necessarily get the revenge story, but we do get a redemption story. And oftentimes we think in, in the terms of our life of not being able to look back and see those people who've wronged us um, put in their place. But this actually paints a picture of that. That as we walk through the restorative gift that God has for us, as we allow him to, as the 23rd Psalm says earlier, to restore my soul, we spent a whole episode on what it means to have my soul restored, that he is restoring my soul. We actually said in that episode that he has restored you, he is restoring you, and he will continue to restore you in your life. And as we go through that restoration, that there is a redemption story uh, in your life that will come. It may look different than you think it it should. It, it may look different than you want it to look, but there's a redemption story. And the, the truth is, is that there is biblical revenge. It's just by God. God chooses to fight those battles for you. And there's a couple of reasons why God chooses to fight the battle of revenge for you. First of all, because God loves his children, not his child. And I want to be clear here for a second. People who have wronged you uh, deserve something because they've wronged you. They deserve a penalty because they've wronged you. And if God loved his child and not his children, then God would go after that person with the vengeance that you want him to have. The problem is God loves his children. God loves all of his creation and desires all of his uh, human creation to be his children. Which means that when God allows there to be repercussions for the things that people might do to you, he is taking into account that he loves them just as much as he loves you. Which changes the revenge game. 
Oftentimes, we we don't really want a revenge story. We really want a redemption story. It's our carnality that wants that revenge. But as we grow in our relationship with God, we don't want revenge as much as we want redemption. See, one of the parts that's difficult about God loving his children and not just his child is that God is very um, aware that If he just loved his child and not his children, and he went after the vengeance that maybe your parents have had for you before, we've all had parents see them bow up. If you have godly parents, there's part of them that'll bow up because they want to defend their kids. I've seen that in my parents before, and I've felt that for my children before. Because random kid on the street that ticks my son off or hurts my son, I don't don't love that kid. Look, I love, I love that kid in the I'm supposed to love everybody kind of a way, but I love my son more than I love that other kid. That's just the reality of parenting. That's just the reality of uh, being a parent. But God loves his children. And as I understand that, as I begin to see that, what I become more aware of is that just as that person wronged me and I want revenge on that person, I've wronged other people and deserve equal um, equal penalty for those things that I've done. And so as I begin to understand that, and as I begin to understand that we're all in need of God's grace, I go from wanting a revenge story in my life to wanting a redemption story. Because even if I don't want revenge, when people have wounded me, when people have talked bad about me, when people have tried to make me look like something other than what I was, what I've discovered is that even when I don't want revenge, I still want Um, there to be a little bit of redemption that, hey, they see that I'm not exactly what they said I was. And this story or this this statement in scripture uh, paints a story of that type of a moment, of a moment of redemption. And so I have to choose to want redemption over revenge in my life. And the truth is that biblical revenge is God's. And I have to trust God with that. If I'm going to choose to trust the leadership of the Lord in my life, I choose to trust that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I have to trust that. And all I can desire is redemption. That as I'm restored, as God is working in me and through me, um, that there will be a moment where I'm brought back to a place of redemption. Now, Let's talk about what this scripture is talking about. It's really unboxing everything that we just said. Because when it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, he is painting a picture of redemption. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, a a table where you would sit down and and feast was a place that you would come to um, out of respect for a person. That a host would, would set a table for someone who mattered. The Bible says that the Lord sets a table before me, that I am the honored guest of God in this, in this picture, in this illustration, that God is inviting me with honor, that out of, out of his grace and out of his mercy, um, the scripture tells us that I'm the righteousness of God because of the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross for me, that out of that, I am the honored guest of God in this illustration, that I am someone who matters to God here. And that invitation symbolizes respect and honor, that God chooses to give me respect and honor honor in this picture. And then it doesn't just say that he sets a table before me. It says that he sets a table before me. And not only is there a gift of honor that's at this table, there's also a gift of respect and redemption that the scripture says 
you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, that God is setting a a table for you, that when people wound you, when people hurt you, when people come against you, that there will be a redemptive moment where they sit illustratively at a table with you and see that God's hand is on your life. You know, oftentimes when we talk about revenge or redemption, we want people to know uh, exactly what they said or what they did was in the wrong. And sometimes that's a good, that's a good gift for redemption. But I found in my life that there's nothing more redeeming, not when people see that they were wrong, but when they see, regardless of whether they were right or wrong, that God's blessing and God's hand is still on their life. You see, I've had people say some terrible things about me in the past. I've had people gossip about me. I've had people talk negatively about me. Um, I've had people that have intentionally tried to ruin my reputation in a couple of different seasons of life. And that sounds pretty extreme, and it is, because they're sinful people. They're broken people. And just like there are some things broken in me, there are some things that are broken in them. Um, For some of those people, I think that the part of their issue is that they've just never actually received healing or an awareness that that part of their life is broken, that that part where they gossip and they slander is is jacked up. Uh, But I've tried really hard in those areas that are broken in my life to sit back and trust God to do the healing work in my life. And not only that, to help me move along in my relationship with him and leave those things behind me. And this picture that we see of this table set before our enemies is saying to you that the greatest redemption that you'll have is not when you get to sit down and work out all of the specifics of the moment that caused you pain or that caused you to question or that caused you to to whatever, but it's the moment that those people realize that God's honor and God's blessing is on your life. That when people wound you, when people hurt you, when people cause you pain, that you can stand confident that there will be a day when in some way that there is a table set before you in the presence of your enemies, in the presence of those who've hurt you, in the presence of those who've talked bad about you, in the presence of those who've tried to hurt your reputation, who've tried to, to ruin who you are, that there will be a moment where they see God's honor and God's blessing on your life. So the question is, what do we do in the meantime? When someone's wounded us, hurt us, caused us pain, and we haven't had that moment of redemption yet, we haven't seen uh, that biblical vengeance from God just a little bit to show those people that they were in the wrong, what do we do in that season? I think the first thing that we have to do is choose to be self-aware. What do I mean by that? I hinted at this a, a moment ago, that God loves his children and not just his child. That the truth is, you've hurt people just as much as people have hurt you. And th- there's, a, there's a freedom that comes into that. Not that you go, well, you know, it, it's okay that people hurt me because I've hurt other people. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that when you realize that you've caused somebody else the pain that, that, you, that you've been caused it changes how you view that person and it allows you to give them more grace than you probably would have otherwise. And if you want to help yourself move on, get past this issue, then choose to be a person who's self-aware enough to know that I've caused people pain just as much as they have caused me pain and choose to start there. Jesus kind of deals with this at one point in scripture. He says in Matthew 6, 14, 
For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. What does this mean? It means that when people wound me, when people hurt me, um, I need to forgive them because there is this circular dynamic of forgiveness that I need forgiveness just as much as they need forgiveness. And as I forgive, I will also be forgiven. We need to understand that that this is less about an ultimatum from Jesus. And it's more about understanding that there is this cycle of offense that happens in our life, that we offend people and people offend us. And as we process that, as we understand that, it makes us a lot more gracious moving forward. And if I want to see that table set before me, I have to choose to understand that I've wounded people just as much as others have wounded me. The second thing I have to do is trust. I have to trust that God is with me, God is for me, and that that moment of redemption will come when it's needed. That moment of redemption will happen. And I, if I choose to trust God, it will, it will happen. That his leadership always guides me to that place where a table is set before me in the presence of my enemies. But if I focus on that table rather than the restoration that God's trying to do in me, I may actually miss the restoration that God is trying to do inside of me. So if I want to get to that point uh, where I see that table set, I have to choose to be a little more self-aware. I have to choose to trust. Then the third thing I have to do is be okay with not seeing the table. Be okay with not seeing the table. What does that mean? It means this, that God is going to do what the scripture promises he's going to do. I may not always get to see it though. I may not always get to see it. Listen, I've had people call me in like third-party conversations, this was years and years ago, where people uh, said or gossiped about me, realized they were wrong, um, and kind of admitted it in other conversations. And I, I would hear about that from a third party later on. And the, you know, the truth is, it's not really fun hearing about it at a third party. Like it's, it doesn't feel like you want. It doesn't feel like you've had your your moment, right? But it happened. Whether or not it ever got to me, it happened. And sometimes I just have to trust that God's going to set that table before me. And I may not be aware that it's happening. I may not always get to see it, but God will redeem that, that truth. And God will show those people that they were wrong. Whether it's they realize that they were wrong about me specifically or wrong in what they did, God will bring them to that place. And that may not be as much fun as I want it to be. But the question that I should probably be asking myself if that reality bothers me is why do I want that moment anyway? Why do you need to know that somebody knows that they were wrong? Why do you need that revenge story? Maybe the issue is that you've never really let it go in the way that God desires for you to let it go. Maybe you've not allowed God to work in your life and that part of you is still tender and there's still pain and there's still a wound there. Maybe you need to be asking the question, God, how do I allow you to heal me here? And how do I begin to be okay with me never seeing that person admit that they were wrong? How do I move past that? Because if I don't choose to move past that, that wound will stay there. And honestly, I don't think that table ever gets set in our lives until we get to a place where if it happens where I see it, it happens. If it doesn't happen where I can see it, it's okay. I don't think that table ever gets set until those moments happen. Now, I'll tell you, 
Sometimes you think they'll never happen and somebody picks up a phone or somebody sends you a letter. I had two people come to me a few years ago when I was in a season of transition and tell me uh, specifically that they had said some of these things, like the specific things that they listed. And they said, I was wrong. I, I thought you were this person and I, and I talked about that and then I was upset and I, I said some things that were wrong and, and they repented to me. They said, look, I'm sorry. I, I want um, to, to own up to what I did. But th- the story that you need to know is that about six months prior to that was when I really began to get to a place where I didn't care anymore and I began to just trust God with it. And I remember actually about six months before this happened that I had a moment where I told God, you know what? I'm going to trust you. <laughs> like I'm going to trust you regardless of what happens. Father, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust that uh, vengeance is yours. And it wasn't until I, I really allowed myself to heal that I began to see God um, redeem that moment. So be okay with not seeing that moment. Because in that healing, in that restoration, that's the moment when you will actually get to see that table set before you in the presence of your enemies. Now, I want to be clear. Those two people were not really my enemies. They were just people that wounded me. They were just people that hurt me. And oftentimes, we think of those people as our enemies, but really, they're they're not. They're still people who love Jesus that you just have an offense with or a conflict with. And I I really began, about two years ago, I began to really think differently about those things. And it significantly changed uh, some some deep things in my life. And as I've let those things go and moved on, uh, I can say with confidence that I am more healthy, that I'm stronger, and that I'm closer to Jesus than I've ever been in my life. Why? Because I can be confident, whether I see it or not, that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And as we'll talk about next week, he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this episode today. I hope that it's encouraged you, inspired you. If it's done any of those things or something close to that, do me a favor, take a second and like this uh, video if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe, whether you're listening or watching online. The other thing that you can do is share it with somebody, send it to somebody in a text or share it on your social media. However you're doing that, thank you so much for doing that. Until next week, you're watching the Andy McMillan Podcast.